the big weekend with Greg and Lucky. Here it is, South Africa. Here it is. The Springboks champions of the world. Halala, I'm a boca boca. Halala. What an utter privilege to have been here to witness this incredible moment. These are images we will never forget for the rest of our lives. Prepare a pathway for them, South Africa. Prepare a pathway. They have done us proud. They truly are stronger together. They have ascended the highest peak in the rugby world. Winners of the Wave Ellis Cup for the third time. Sia Kolisi and his Springbok heroes. It's just over a week since you may have heard that. Since the Springboks came home. Bringing the World Cup back to South Africa. And the man who brought it all to us uh, because he was commentating on everything was Matthew Pierce. That's the voice that you were just listening to. He, He was in Japan for just over two months covering everything the Springboks had to do. He commentated on all of their games. It's been amazing. And if you watch any Springbok game, you'll obviously know his voice. Uh, we wanted to interview him because I think you're going to get a lot of uh, stuff from the players' uh, point of view. You're going to get a lot of from the panelists' point of view. But once the games are kind of done, Pierce's job is done, unless he's on the panel himself. So we wanted to get him and chat to him. Matthew Pierce, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Great to be home. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine. Uh, Matthew, I mean, the atmosphere in Japan, just talk to us about that. You, you pretty much immersed yourself there for, for just over two months. Yeah, sure. I, it was uh, one epic journey. I arrived on the 1st of September ahead of the Springboks opening Jeez. warm-up game, if I can call it a warm-up game against Japan, an official test match on the 6th of September. And thereafter, we headed southwest to a city called Kagoshima uh, for a week-long training camp uh, that was before any other team arrived in Japan for the World Cup. The week after that was the official warm-up week ahead of the first round of matches. So the Springboks really were in Japan two weeks ahead of any other team. And having made the final, it it was effectively a a nine-and-a-half-week journey that, that we were there. Jeez. And an incredible journey. So many different sights and sounds and, and cultural experiences. I, I often speak to my family, I sometimes feel like I'm living in a parallel universe. <laughs> and, 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 Very little that was recognizable and, and, and no family. Um, different types of cuisine. So a very different experience all round, but one that will last for a lifetime. And everybody went on about how the Japanese were to the World Cup, embracing it, making it their own, having their own unique little cultures and things. Incredible hosts. You just want to tell us about that? Did you also just find it just amazing in that aspect? Yeah, I I really did. Uh, But just to qualify that a little bit, I think around the rugby and everything that you would have seen uh, back on television uh, here in South Africa, that was very much the case. I mean, the volunteers were incredible. There were lines of volunteers when you left the stadium after games, standing there waving goodbye, having uh, ushered you to a seat uh, yeah, in wow. the stadium or, or helped uh, clear up the stadium after a game. The, the volunteers that 
got the stadium in Yokohama ready for the Japan v. Scotland game after Typhoon Hagibis had hit. Uh, just the volunteers who got the cleanup act going uh, after that, that devastation caused by the typhoon. There were so many instances like that yeah. where you just say that the people have so much respect for the, each other, uh, for their visitors, for their environment. It's an incredibly clean and efficient wow. place. But the one thing I will say is, you know, I could have walked out of my hotel in Tokyo and walked an hour almost in any direction and not seen any visible sign that a Rugby World Cup was on. Really? So, oh. yeah, it's such a vast city, such a vast, vast place, Tokyo. I think some of the smaller host cities, uh, it was far more prominent, but it was almost impossible to convey the message oh, uh, in a city wow. as vast as Tokyo that there really was something going on, you know. So, yeah. but around the stadiums, uh, on match days, uh, the fan parks, you know, really uh, a country that embraced it. And I think you don't need to look much further than the TV audience for the Japan Scotland game, that last pool game where Japan became the first Asian team to qualify for a regular yes. World Cup quarterfinal. They, they reckon they grabbed half of the population as a TV audience, which is 65 million people. Jeez. So they really got behind their team and, and they they grabbed the country's attention, no question. Matthew, I want to ask you, um, I know that when I go on holiday as well, when you're in a foreign country with beautiful exotic food, you embrace yourself and you enjoy yourself. Did you pick up any weight in Japan? <laughs> so the irony is, no, I'd, I'd lost uh, quite a lot, actually. Why? <laughs> because I, well, I, I guess a variety of reasons. I mean, we, we have a very busy work day uh, on, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. People hear the commentary on a Saturday, but as a lot of you would know on Fitness Sports, you know, we have the, the Blitz channel, which is yeah. a 24 hour news channel. We yeah. ran. Yeah, you did inserts everywhere. Yeah. You know, four or five magazine shows every week uh, across three languages English, Afrikaans, and also. So we were providing content from within the Springbok camp for, for all of those magazine shows. I reckon three to four pieces of content a day. Uh, that we were sending back to South Africa. And so, you know, there wasn't a lot of uh, going out and eating in fancy restaurants. It was more sort of grab something on the go, uh, uh, have okay. a good breakfast in the morning and then go throughout the uh, go throughout the day. The other thing is I'm allergic to anything out of the sea. So, oh, uh, no, so the no, sushi no, was off saying. the menu. <laughs> do, do they say, do you, you know, do you, Kind of sushi now. Oh, okay. Sashimi now. Oh. Amazing variety of cuisine. I mean, anyone who said that I would have a problem being allergic to seafood was completely wrong. I mean, there were so many wonderful uh, options. Oh. And, and a very cosmopolitan city, certainly Tokyo, you know, with a lot of different uh, types of cuisine. Okay. Matthew, I want to know, after the first round, uh, sorry, the first game that the, the Springboks have played, so we play, we facing New Zealand, we lose to New Zealand, um, the pool games happens that weekend, so you kind of see a lot of the teams playing. I want to ask you something. Did you think to yourself, w w will we make the final of the World Cup? I'll be honest, you know, your listeners and you guys yourselves, you can say, oh, well, he's just saying that it's easy in hindsight. I, I never didn't believe that we could win this World Cup. And even after that last game, if anything, I think it was 
a blessing to have New Zealand first up. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think I think if we played them later in the pool, it would have been more of a distraction. And I think Rassi has, has said, you know, if he made a mistake, it was almost putting too much emphasis on that game. Yeah. But the fact that we got it out of the way early, you know, the, the bottom line was that New Zealand and South Africa were almost... 99% assured of qualifying out of that group for the quarterfinals. Yeah. And I think the big difference really for us came in Group A, in Pool A, where Ireland and Scotland were expected to go through. And they didn't. Uh, in Based on world rankings and in that order, which would have meant that if having lost to New Zealand, we would play Ireland in the quarterfinals. But yeah. then Japan, midway through the pool, they beat Ireland they come into their last pool game needing to beat Scotland to, to win their pool and set up a quarterfinal against South Africa. Yeah. So, no disrespect to Japan, you know, they were playing wonderful rugby, but we always felt we, we had the game to overpower them and, and beat them in a, in a knockout match. And that proved to be the case. So, just going back to my original point, to get that first pool game against New Zealand out of the way and then there was a sort of five-week process building up to a final where they had a plan and they stuck to it doggedly and it, it, it worked in the end. Matthew, let's talk about the final itself. When when you you were commentating and Cheslin scored that second try, it didn't look like England could pull it back. Did you, did you think, did you know that maybe we were clean then? Absolutely. I think if you if you listen to the commentary there, you know, after my Pimpy's try, it was obviously a wonderful moment, the first try that we'd scored in the, the three World Cup finals that we've been involved in. So, yeah. But we still weren't, we weren't quite out of sight and it was that horrible drama while the TMO looked at the potential. Yeah, yeah. Then it stuck and that, that was a relief, but we still weren't quite out of the woods then. You know, we were comfortably yeah. ahead. All, all the history said... You know, that by then, uh, we kind of had it in the bag. But we weren't prepared to say that. When Cheslin scored, <laughs> I think you'll hear me see, you'll hear me say, there it is, South Africa, there it is. Hey. And, uh, yeah. I was and, probably too busy screaming at the TV. <laughs> and I, I may have missed that. <laughs> and, and, and I was sitting next to Ali Shimangi. We reviewed, I said, surely now. It's and over. Shimmy just, Shim- Surely now. <laughs> he <just repeated laughs> the word. It was just... Yeah. No, we knew. We knew at that knew. point. Oh, um, I just... Uh, see, I just want to ask you something as well. Um, is this something that uh, obviously you maybe didn't commentate or t- didn't say on Supersport, but you obviously followed the box around. You you spoke about the the, the camp. You would say, you know, Yo, this player's injured, this player's coming up, this player's... Is, is this something that you saw in the players, that you saw in Rashi, that you saw in the camp of the Springboks that you realized, listen, something special is happening here? No, absolutely. And it wasn't just one thing. Uh, it was the way they embraced each other and, and the journey that they were on. You know, a few people know that if, if you count this week that they've been on the trophy tour, that's 20 weeks that they've been together Oof. before the rugby championship. Yeah. And Rafi had said to them, you know, this is going to be a 20-week journey, a 20-week sacrifice, if you like, but no one ever became a world champion at anything without making that kind of sacrifice in terms of time. Yeah. And I, I think what really hit home for me is once the team made the quarterfinals against Japan, you suddenly realized 
hang on, we're in the quarterfinals of Rugby World Cup and we've done 17 of, or we've done 16 of the 19 weeks. They're done. So surely now, the the worst part, if I can call it that, not that there was a worst part, but yeah. the most taxing part is, is over. And the finish line very much in sight. We've got three more games to play to achieve our ultimate goal. Yeah. And and you could sense then that they they really felt that. And the other thing was in the week of the final, while everybody was saying off the back of England's performance against New Zealand, they were the out and out favourites to win the cup. Yeah. There was just this amazing sense of calm in that Springbok camp. It was tangible. They they were so relaxed. I, I was at their hotel on the Saturday morning because President Ramaphosa came to speak to them. And when I walked into the environment where they were going to have the talk from the president and I got to interview him after his talk and that's why I was there. And the players were all milling around. This was hours before, a couple of hours before leaving for the biggest game of their lives. And they were just relaxed. They were calm. There was there was wow. no sense of, of panic. And it was just so reassuring. I got I got to the stadium. I met Joel and, and Shimmy at the stadium because I went off to, to do the interview with the president on my own. Yeah. And I met them at the stadium and I just said, guys, like, I'm, I'm just amazed. I'm, and very, very happy to say that the that, team is just in such a good space. They, they're just comfortable with where they are, with who they are, with each other, with Rafi's plan that they all bought into and contributed to. And they're just a team with a bigger purpose. Yeah. And, so it proved, so it proved oh, to be. Wow. I was actually saying to Greg, Matthew, that um, the games before Japan and before Wales, I was freaking out the entire week, like nervous, like growing gray hairs. But for some reason, when we got to, we're playing in the final, it's happening this Saturday, da 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 da. On Wednesday, there was a calm that came over me that actually made yeah. me uncomfortable. And I was saying to Greg, I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but I think it's okay. And and obviously the boys did the job. But Matthew, I want to ask you one more question just to end it off. But um, we obviously play in the rugby championship. So we know the New Zealand teams. We know Australia. We know, uh, you know, Argentina. Uh, we play the Northern Hemisphere teams often, so we know their, their, their rugby, we know their players, and you know their, their players. When we play a team like Uruguay or, or a team that we don't play often and you don't know the names, and I think everybody's thinking this, and I wanted to ask you this, do you learn the names the day before or do you, is there like a screen and like the name Spreadsheet in front of you. Because I, I can't imagine having to say someone's name and you don't know it because, and that's obviously if the box were playing them. I just, I just wanted to know that. Sure. No, look, and, and there, there are. It, it's not often, for example, we play Italy or Namibia or Canada. Yeah, in our pool, so so we had all those games to call. But no, you have access to opposition training sessions, not for long. Sort of fifteen minutes at the start of a session, you can go along there. Uh, you go to their media conferences. You get more familiar with the players. You get to watch. You get to watch a lot of games. You, you request games that they have played in. Um, look, it's not the easiest, but you know we we have it. The other thing is, though, you know, at SuperSport we we televise so much rugby uh, that there are plenty of these kind of opportunities to to, to learn slip up. to broadcast. <laughs> well, learn to broadcast on on teams that you're not familiar with, and just think about schoolboy rugby and varsity cup. Yeah, you know, these are players that you don't see uh, by any means, 
day in and day out and you, you just have to uh, do your best to watch other games in which they've played. Um, I tend to, if, if I can give a little tip away, I mean, I, I tend to focus, first of all, on positions that I believe are key. So for me, they are uh, the hooker, number eight, uh, scrum half, fly half, uh, full back. Oh. What I kind of call the spine of the team because if, if you think about it, those are the players that probably touch the ball the most, uh, more often than any other. Yeah, so hooker throws in, eighth man will get the ball at the back, nine will obviously, obviously always, and then, yep. yeah, okay. So nine and ten are a, a critical combination, and when the ball is kicked deep, the fullback comes into play. So so those five out of the 15 are most likely to, to be in the game more often than the others, so it's important that you have a, a very quick understanding. I mean, I make copious notes uh, before every game that I do and I often say to people I probably use 15% of what I write down but it's important that I have it available to me if I need it so a lot of it is down to just what I would call decent preparation yeah. and just being prepared for any eventuality uh, depending on what happens in the game. Well, Matthew, you were certainly prepared for the final and the entire Rugby World Cup. Yeah. Everything you put together was incredible. Yeah, and it's always a pleasure watching you and listening to you uh, while the game is on. So thank you so much. And uh, we really appreciate your time. We just wanted to know from a little bit of a different perspective of the Rugby World Cup. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for chatting to us. Uh, thank you, guys. It's uh it was an amazing journey, like I said, but there's nothing like coming home to South Africa. There's just nothing like it. Yeah. And skinnier, so your wife was like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Matthew. Cheers. Uh, there it is, Matthew Pierce. He was uh, the man on the ground in Japan for Supersport, uh, commentated every single one of their games, and obviously did these famous words at the end of the Rugby World Cup. Here it is, South Africa! The Big Weekend with Greg and Lucky.